Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from Marrakesh. I told you last episode I was on the beginning of an odyssey. I don't think I said I was leaving, I don't know, the following day. Maybe I did. But I'm in Marrakesh. I'm staying in the Medina. It is wonderful and lovely and also completely chaotic. I was walking today and it was... I guess, rush hour in the Medina. So I'm dodging donkeys and motorcycles and strollers and wheelbarrows and cats and people, of course. It was just a lot, but it's so fun. I had a great day of history today. Like the first thing I did, and I've been to Marrakesh before, like maybe nine years ago, I think. But I really, really enjoyed it when I was here. And I think I was only here for like three days. I did Morocco overall for 10 days, but I only did three days in Marrakesh. I was here with three other women. It was a great trip, but I enjoy being a little bit more leisurely as opposed to like trying to rush to see all the big hot spots in Marrakesh and then hop on a, I think we took a bus, like 10 hours to Fez. I didn't have the budget then, but thankfully I have now. But being able to leisurely enjoy the city and also just roam at my own pace has been a ton of fun. 
I got up early this morning and I went to, I'm a butcher the name. I can barely pronounce it right in English, but it's essentially a seminary, except it's for the Quran, obviously, because Morocco instead of the Bible. It's also this well-preserved and expensively restored structure. Absolutely beautiful. I haven't had a chance to post the pictures there, but I've been sharing a bunch of images and IG stories. I went there when I was here last time. When I got there today, it reminded me that nine years ago, I brought my first professional camera, my first DSLR, right before I came to Morocco because the pictures were so beautiful online. But at the time, the quality of iPhone cameras just wasn't up to par. And I wanted a really good camera to capture all the beauty of Morocco. When I was at the space today, I actually had my DSLR in my backpack, my Nikon, but I didn't even use my professional camera. I just shot everything on my phone. So I say all that to say, did the non-seminary seminary this morning. And then I went to this really beautiful, famous coffee shop. It had like an hour wait, but the good thing, but was in this museum that has this really beautiful architecture and this really gorgeous courtyard. It's so beautiful. It had orange trees. I'm like obsessed with orange trees now. But all this beautiful tile and all these rooms with this amazing symmetry and these gorgeous archways and the ceilings. Like Morocco is so over the top. Like they decorate the ceilings. Like everywhere you go, you have to look up. They don't just give plain white plastered ceilings. The historic buildings especially give major razzle dazzle. So I took a ton of pictures while I waited an hour for my table. They gave me the most powerful coffee on earth. It's like 11.57. I barely slept last night. I've been up since eight o'clock and I'm wired. I could totally go run three miles after I've already walked 12,000 steps today. Totally wired, cannot go to sleep. Hence why I'm recording the podcast. Technically, it's Thursday night, a day early. Lots going on this week. I should probably warn you right this second. If you are listening to this on any kind of speaker, if you are listening to this at work, you might want to go ahead and put on your headphones. We will be discussing Drake's. Somebody on my timeline called it uncut Canadian bacon. I was like, was it uncut? Please go get your headphones right now. I'll wait. I tried to zoom in on it. Like I screenshotted it and then I zoomed in and I was like, is it uncut? It wasn't the best quality video. It definitely wasn't an HD 4K. I was like, when exactly was this video recorded? Because my iPhone has far better quality than this. I was like, sir, you need to change your settings. But couldn't tell if it was uncut or not. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, sometimes I talk about things and I assume everybody knows what I'm speaking about. Drake, corny ass Drake. There's video of what is believed to be him self-satisfying on the internet. And like I said, it's not the best quality, but it's enough quality to see the important bits. I think calling it bits is inaccurate. It's not bitty. It's not wide. It's also not firm. In the group chat, <laughs> you know, there's that meme of the cat that's looking like it's about to pounce. And the, and the cat is in like this doggy style position and it's wiggling its little cat booty back and forth. And then the meme cuts to Shaquille O'Neal, like wiggling his shoulders, like he's being real silly and anticipating something. He's wiggling. Somebody posted that in the group chat and was like, that's what Drake's dick was doing. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. 
His penis is not fully erect. And it seems like he's trying to get himself to go. Somebody else in the group chat was like, how old is this nigga? He need Viagra already? Oh, dear. I was impressed with what I saw. It's not my preferred shape or size, but I thought that it was of quality that had great potential. Seeing as how it was like wiggle, 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 and it was still quite lengthy, I thought maybe if it was fully ready, then maybe it would expand like in width because I don't think you need any more length. People believe that Drake leaked this video himself. And I was like, who would leak a video of their penis mid-stiffy? Who does that? And again, in the group chat, they were like, corny niggas like Drake. Y'all think he's cornball enough to release like a mid-stiffy of his penis? The reigning, I wouldn't even say rumor, it's just internet fodder, is that in Meg's recent song, His, which is number one on all the charts, Meg takes a jab at men who make fun of women who have BBLs, but also have BBL scars. Drake is rumored to have had, I wouldn't say a BBL, but to have lipo. People think that he got his abs etched. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But people have been talking about Drake having a BBL. They've been clowning him really bad about it. People are speculating with no evidence whatsoever that Drake has leaked this video to distract people from talking about his BBL. Still, I'm like, really? Wouldn't he just release a picture of his hard dick? Again, the group chat. Corny niggas do corny things. We can't explain why corny people do the corny shit they do. I don't really think he released a half stiffy. I do agree that Drake is corny. I just think that that's just, I don't know. Like if you want to release your meat, you would release like the best version of your meat possible, right? I'm not corny, so I can't relate. I would like to think that he would not do that. Maybe not. I don't know. But then also too, right? Like just assuming that it really is Drake. Drake has not come out and claimed the video. He do seem like the kind of dude that would do a video being like, yes, that was my penis. But he hasn't actually done that. We're all just going off the assumption that the person in the video is Drake. But if it was, and if he didn't leak it, why would you even send that to somebody? And if somebody else is in the room with you, watching you, he's holding up a phone. I assumed he was in the mirror. I got to look at it one more time. But say he was in the room with somebody who was watching him self-pleasure. That's, that's maybe a kink he has or a kink the other person has. No judgment. I'm for all sorts of kinks as long as everybody's of age and, and able to consent. Carry on. But if somebody else was in the room, like assuming it would be a partner that he was interested in sharing some penis with. He's a young man in his 30s. Like it takes that much effort to get his stiff with somebody else present. I don't know. It's a conundrum. It's very confusing. But I saw lots of people who were just like, you were impressed with that? What kind of penis are y'all seeing in the world? Like, are you seeing porn dick like in your regular lives? Maybe you are. And no judgment. And I was like, you looked at a penis that long and was like, "Mm, not impressed. Really? I saw several people saying they wanted more girth from it. And I was like, I mean, fair, fair. But even if you look at it and you say, I wanted more girth, you still found nothing impressive about the length? I saw a lady in my comments. 
it was a whole lot of comments. This lady in the comments was like, I'm trying to have him hit my walls, not my cervix. <laughs> I love and hate Al Green's internet. Oh my God. Oh, shout out to all the people who unfollowed me. I did not post a picture of, of Drake's penis. I posted a picture of Drake where I thought that he looked his best. And I acknowledged his verse from Bad Bitches where he talks about it. He was like, I have a long dick. You know, I thought he was just talking shit. I'm not really attracted to Drake. I acknowledge he, with a beard and a fade, is a nice looking man. I also didn't mind the cornrows either. These hair clips he's been doing as of late. I'm like, bruh, you and ASAP got to stop that shit like immediately. Um, but that's not the point. The point is... I think he's a nice looking guy. I didn't post a picture of his penis. I just acknowledge that, yes, he has talked about it and he could back it up. A bunch of people unfollowed me, but a bunch of people followed me too. So it all evened out. But shout out to the people who were like, Demetria, please. I was like, ah. I've been so good for the longest time. We used to play that game like every Friday. We would post a picture of a man like clearly thirst trapping on the internet. And we would talk about everything in the picture, except, you know, usually his deep print. It was a ridiculous game. It was fun though, but I've been doing so good. I've been trying really hard to act like a middle-aged woman who's like, who's like mature and sensible. All the things that I struggle to be. I wish for all the people who have so many thoughts about middle-aged women or women in their forties and like what they should do and what they should think and what they should say. And you do fully realize your stream of consciousness is basically foolery and fuckery. It doesn't change. You learn how to filter it better. But like if you have just constant nonsense going on inside your head, you're going to be that way at 45, 65, 85. Like it doesn't change. That's just who you are. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home. And then there's a version of it where you have someone help you. You watch them do it the right way. And you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. (laughs) I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hold on. What else do we have on this list? Oh, can you hear that? Like that rumble? I didn't eat dinner again. I just didn't feel like going out to get something because it's cold out. I brought my leather jacket, like my heavy motorcycle jacket, and I needed it this morning. I want to say it was like the high was 45. Marrakesh's weather is very similar to probably San Francisco. Like it's freezing in the morning around maybe like two o'clock. It starts to get warm and you don't need a jacket. And at five o'clock, like the temperature just plummets. Also, 
it could plummet for 30 minutes for just no apparent reason. And I haven't even been outside the Medina. The whole thing is walkable from one end to the other and maybe and maybe 30 minutes or so. I'm not even going out like around the city. The weather here is insane. The high since I've been here is 75. But in general, it doesn't feel like a home 75. Home is in East Coast. There's no humidity because, you know, the desert is right there. It's dry. Like I say all that to say it's cold. So once I come back to the hotel after like running around just to like sit down for a minute, I swear I'm leaving to go out for dinner. And I'm like, ooh, do I feel like getting redressed and putting on and putting on layers? Like, I'm good. I'll starve it out till morning. What else did I watch other than Drake's self-porn? I saw this new Super Bowl ad with Usher. It was from Apple because it's the Apple halftime show. Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, is in the commercial, as is Taraji P. Henson, Little John, Ludacris, which basically confirms that both of them are going to be on the Super Bowl stage with Usher. It's Usher has confirmed that they are guests. I was like, who else would it be if not Little John and Ludacris? One of Usher's biggest hits is Yeah, with both of them on it. Like, of course they'll be there. And Wesley Snipes. And then a bunch of other people who I assume are Vegas acts. I recognize Blue Man Group. And then in context, I was able to piece together that other people must be very famous Vegas individuals, even without knowing who the people were. People that I did know who they were and the length of the commercial. I want to say it was like a good seven minutes. I was like, this is no longer a commercial. This is a short film. Um, And the production value of it, just the clearance for the spaces alone, random good coins, ends, and dividends. Like you could look at the commercial and be like, there was no budget. And Super Bowl ads are very over the top anyway. This was over the top even for like Super Bowl ads. It looked endless budget. Loved it. You know how I feel about a budget well spent. The premise of the commercial is Usher gets lost in Vegas. Apparently it's supposed to be a play on Hangover. I haven't seen Hangover in years. All I remember is Mike Tyson and the Tiger. The concept is Taraji P. Henson, Ludacris, and Lil Jon went to a party and they lost Usher. So they run all over Vegas. And I mean all over Vegas trying to find him. And they eventually find him. I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen the commercial. But they eventually find Usher in time for the Super Bowl. The best part of the commercial, though, I mean, other than Usher dancing, was Ludacris calls Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, and was like, hey, we lost Usher. And Tim Cook is completely unbothered. And he was like, yeah, so find him. (laughs) Usher's not going to be lost. Usher's going to find himself. He's going to appear at the Super Bowl. The man has announced at least a national tour so far, kicking off in D.C. I have my timer set for the pre-sale tickets tomorrow. I'm, I'm 100% going. I don't know how I'm going. I don't know who I'm going with. I'm 100% going. He's got an album that drops, I think, tomorrow, too. It's a very busy day for Usher. And obviously, he's been planning for the Super Bowl for the last 30 years of his life. Ain't no way Usher's missing the Super Bowl. They know they're going to find him. It's just a matter of, you know, when and where. It's a really cute commercial. It's like kind of ridiculous in the way that Vegas tends to be. And also, you know, I'm obsessed with Usher. I think everything he does is adorable. Travis Kelsey. I mean, allegedly he's a football player who is going to the Super Bowl, but he's better known as the boyfriend of Taylor Swift. So the New York Times just completely did him dirty and threw him under the bus. The New York Times wrote this article. I think it was last week. Actually, it was February 1st because Travis referenced the date in the interview that we're about to discuss. The New York Times did this interview where they credited Travis Kelsey, a white boy from Cleveland. Nice looking white boy, but a white boy nonetheless. 
but they credited him with inventing the fade. And they did these interviews with white barbers and they talk about how all these white boys are coming in requesting the Travis Kelsey. Remember Jennifer Aniston? If you listen to this podcast, you remember Jennifer Aniston on Friends and she had that very, very famous haircut. The New York Times refers to a fade. Every black man you know has had a fade at one point in his life. They credit Travis Kelsey with inventing the fade. Like what? I was like, y'all have no black people on staff? Charles Blow, I mean, he's a columnist for the Times. I don't know if he's in-house, but I'm like, was, was, was no one available to be like, hey man, we about to write this story. Do you think maybe we could run this by you? Because like, you know, there's this thing. It, it didn't even cross the editor's mind to be like, I wonder where Travis Kelsey got this idea from. Who is his barber? It never even crossed their mind to be like, somebody else could have invented this. Somebody else could have popularized this. Maybe Travis Kelsey got it from somewhere else. Just never crossed their minds. It's like when Kim Kardashian had, um, remember those two braids? Cornrows, essentially. But she had two cornrows going back. Some popular white girl magazine was like, Kim's boxer braids. Kim's cornrows? Kim's boxer braids. Or when white girls started doing baby hair, I don't remember what they called it. It was some weird ass name. And it was like, baby hair. Or then white girls started doing do-rags. There was a weird ass name they tried to give it. I don't remember what it was. But I was like, you mean a do-rag? But they tried to credit white girls with do-rags. And I was like, y'all don't know no black people at all. None. Like, have you seen black people? Ever. I saw someone comment, New York City is one of the most diverse cities on earth. But the New York Times has no clue about diversity. Fascinating. I mean, racist is actually the word that I should be using. The cultural appropriation of it all. The lack of research of it all. They really credited this white boy with the fade. And the thing is, which I didn't even think about it. I saw the article. I saw they talked about Travis Kelsey. I just assumed he had nothing to do with this shit. But he confirmed it in an interview. I guess he was doing press for the Super Bowl. I don't know if somebody asked him about it. I just saw the clip of him talking about it. I don't know if he just brought it up on his own or someone asked him a question. But he was like, um, y'all really threw me under the bus trying to credit me with the fade. He was like, no, I didn't invent that. Like, I just went to the shop and I, I asked for it. He was like, and and this is, the, this is the part that really got me. He said, y'all threw me under the bus and y'all did it on February 1st. So he was acknowledging Black History Month. It's a horrible fuck up on its own. But you credited a white person with the fade during Black History Month. But he was like, you really did me dirty. You threw me under the bus. I watched the interview and I was like, this is PR done amazingly well. He totally distanced himself from the article. And he was like, I never said that. They wrote that. I didn't say that. He mentions February 1st, acknowledging Black History Month, acknowledging that like he knows some black people, which you can hear him speak and tell he knows some black people. He speaks like his cadence and the bass in his voice. He sounds like a black dude. He sounds like a dude who grew up around black people. Not like Britney Spears described Justin Timberlake as putting on a black scent when he would get around black people. I read he's from Cleveland. Cleveland's hella black. But I was like, clearly he lived in a black neighborhood or went to school with black people. Clearly had black friends. The only other woman we've known him publicly to date, or at least I've known him publicly to date. And that's how he first popped on my radar as he was dating a black girl. But he didn't pick up all that like black people energy and black people cadence just from dating a black girl. Like you showed up to the black girl with that, which I've just seen him again. He, he came on my radar when he was dating a black chick. 
And I was like, oh, I totally get it. Like, he got energy. He got this fluffy beard. He got a fade. Like, I get it, sis. Like, after I heard him speak, which literally is the first time, I'm trying to figure out this thing with him and Taylor Swift. He clearly is Black adjacent and enjoys Black culture lots. He's dating this woman. He's dating a woman who's like the face of white whiteness. I was like, how does that work? I mean, clearly they found some common ground. They seem to be very into each other. But I was like, does that does that really work in the long run? And she's dating this guy who is, I mean, he's definitely a white boy. But he's very like culturally into blackness. But not in like a co-opting wigger kind of way. Just in like a, I like black people kind of way. I don't know. It's like Bill Clinton energy. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is, I thought it was great PR. Like he distanced himself from the incident. He acknowledged February 1st, which was like a dog whistle to black people. And then like actually hearing him speak. I think black people were like, who this white boy? <laughs> the black people who are not in the sports. I mean, just specifically say black women. Because we were talking about him in a group chat too. Nobody ever heard him speak. We just saw him. They were like, that's a real black ass white boy. But Taylor Swift? They seem happy. They seem in love. I wish them no ill will. I'm just, you know, more curious about this situation. It's very curiouser and curiouser to me now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What else is on this list? There's other stuff we could talk about. And I know I said literally two episodes ago, a week ago, that I was going to do delayed commentary on stuff because I think I'm just better when I have a chance to like think things through a little more. I'm only addressing this now because I'm not really going to address it. Not in the way that I want to. Monique on Shannon Sharp. I tried to watch the new episode of Club Shay Shay earlier today. It's two hours and 50 minutes long. Somewhere around the 22 minute mark, I was like, the fuck is this? I started venting in the text to one of my friends who's also a cultural critic. We say completely inappropriate shit to each other that we can't always say out loud. He listened to my recap of The Color Purple a week ago on the podcast. And he sent me, I want to say it was almost seven minutes. He sent me this seven minute unhinged, (laughs) angry, (laughs) disgusted. I can't even call it a rant because even though he was very emotional and fired up about it, like it all made sense. But he hated The Color Purple. He hated it. And he had a whole separate list of reasons for why he hated the color purple. It had nothing to do with the reasons that my friend hated the color purple. His main one. (laughs) And I had to acknowledge he was right. But also I was like, I still love it. It's still my favorite scene. He was like, the whole town is singing about Shug Avery coming to town while Shug Avery is in town. Like people were like, Shug Avery is coming to town. While Shug Avery is sitting in the car in the middle of the town, they're literally doing a full Broadway musical. Shug Avery is already in town. He was so incensed. And I was like, but it was so great. And he was like, it made no sense. (sighs) That's not the point. 
I sent him several versions. I couldn't just do one. I was typing full essays about this Monique interview. I'll touch on a couple points. I'm going to reserve going into detail about what I actually think of the interview, the 90 minutes that I watch. At some point, I may get around to the other 90 minutes just out of curiosity, but I literally couldn't take anymore. Because if I kept watching, I was going to do an entire episode about Monique and it wasn't going to be pretty and it was going to come across. Remember Taraji spoke up about not being treated or paid fairly in Hollywood. She talked about the vast pay inequality that she's received. She also said she almost didn't do the color purple. She felt that they didn't offer her the right money either. You recall this. It wasn't that long ago. Several actresses in Hollywood came out and supported her, Gabrielle Union being one of them. The cameras caught up with Vivica and they asked Vivica, they said, you know, Taraji's been speaking out about inequality, a mistreatment in Hollywood. They said, Vivica, what do you think? I mean, and in summary, Vivica was like, nope, can't relate. Her experience is her experience. Okay. People accused Vivica based on her response as not supporting Taraji. And they're like, hey, this black woman is speaking out. She's saying that she's been mistreated. She's saying it's a systemic problem. If you weren't going to support her, then you really shouldn't have said anything. Your commentary undermined Taraji when she really needed support. If I say my real feelings about the 90 minutes that I watched of Monique's interview with Shannon Sharp in a much different way, because I'm not a colleague or peer of Monique. But it's going to come across as black woman using her platform to undermine another black woman. And I don't want to do that. I don't always recognize the reach or the influence of this show. And so I want to be not just more mindful with my words, but more responsible with them. My overarching takeaway from Monique's interview, two big things. I have no doubt that the things that she alleges people have done to her, the things that she, from individuals that she names to corporations, she talked about not being paid for the Parkers. The show went into syndication. It's made, she's guessing around $2 billion. And she was like, I haven't ever received real money from that. Where is my check? She talked about Tyler Perry. She says she has this audio of Tyler Perry admitting that that he's done her wrong. She said that she sent it to different people in Hollywood. She said she sent it to Shannon Sharp and he confirmed that what she said was on the audio was in fact on the audio. She tried to get him to describe it. I was very proud of him for sidestepping that. And I was like, don't don't step into this, Shannon. Don't step into this. The situation she described with Oprah She actually gave that situation more grace than I would have. Her main gripe with Oprah, and there's a couple, but the main thing is she says she and Oprah were cool, at least to the point that Oprah picked up the phone and called her and said, hey, we're doing this show and your brother who molested you wants to apologize to you on the show and we want to do, we want to do an episode about forgiveness and healing And the signs of molestation. And Monique said, I had no interest in being on the show. I said as much. And Oprah said, okay, I respect that. You calling me, asking me 
if I want to do a TV segment with my brother who molested me, that's level 10 on site to me just based off that. You, why are you calling me asking me this dumb shit? If I told you I'm ready to forgive my brother, I want to reunite, I want to piece the family back together, like that's one thing. But you calling me asking me if I want to sit down with the mofo who molested me? Like I'm minding my business on a Tuesday afternoon on a 40 degree day and you call me and want to talk to me about my molestation out the fucking blue? I would be livid. Monique said she wasn't. She said if Oprah wanted to do that show, she wanted to have the brother on. She wasn't going to participate, but go forth and have your little show. More grace than I would have given for that situation. Monique is upset because Oprah called her about her brother, but she didn't tell Monique that she was going to have her parents on the show. Monique said she saw promos for the show with her parents and was completely blindsided and was like, WTF, why didn't you call me? Could you call me about my brother? Why didn't you call me about my mother? She seemed more mad at Oprah than she does at her own parents for not telling her that they participated in the show. They said she'd be out and people would come up to her in the store and be like, you know, your mama ain't shit. And then Monique says, I know she ain't shit, but I don't want people coming up to me saying that shit about my mama. Fair. I think that's a genuine beef. I think her issue with Tyler Perry, where she says she has this audio of Tyler Perry saying, yeah, I spread rumors about you. Yeah, I told people you were difficult to work with. Like, yeah, that happened. That's a legitimate beef because it fucked up her money. Monique guesstimates, and I, I pulled out my calculator. She said that she was earning between two and three million dollars. And because of the rumors that Tyler Perry spread, that she was basically blackballed for 10 to 12 years. So I crunched in 2.5, the middle between two and three. And I took the lowest number that she gave, 10 to 12. I did 10. She's guesstimating that Tyler Perry cost her about $25 million. That's a legit beef. You fucking with the church's money. I recorded this podcast episode on Thursday night. And by the time I woke up on Friday, the aforementioned audio that Monique had of Tyler Perry was circulating around the internet. It's not giving what Monique said it was giving. I've listened to it four times. Monique made it sound like this audio was some sort of smoking gun. She asked Shannon Sharp if, if what she said was on the audio was accurate. And he said that it was. I question both of their credibility right now. I know I said I wasn't going in. She done pissed me off with this. This and the cease and desist with D.L. Hughley. I'm sorry, she's not credible. And I'm not going to go in on her the same way that I said that I wasn't. I think that her advocating for Black women to get more respect, to get better contracts, to get better pay, to be compensated for their work, even if it's a long-running industry standard that folks do press tours for free, I acknowledge that that is work that people should be paid for. I don't want to undercut the good thing that I think Monique is advocating for. I just think that she is not being entirely forthright with the things that she is saying happened. She talked about this, this Tyler Perry audio that was like this big smoking gun was this bombshell revelation. I've got Tyler Perry on audio admitting to how he did me dirty, admitting to how he did me wrong. I listened to the audio. Tyler Perry, if this is in fact Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry is bending over backwards to appease her. Her husband sounds like he's watched way too much Law and Order. 
he's trying to question Tyler Perry like he's a lawyer. The part of the conversation that Monique is saying that Tyler Perry admitted to wrongdoing is not even part of the tape. It's Monique's husband and manager who, who seemingly has pushed record and is trying to get Tyler Perry to repeat himself. What Tyler Perry acknowledges is that Monique was not contractually bound to do this press run. So she wasn't actually in violation of anything. And her husband and manager pushes the point that it's wrong to call her difficult when she's meeting her contractual obligations. You're asking her to do something for free at that, but then you're calling her difficult for not agreeing to do this thing that you want her to do that you're not paying her for. Which, when you put it like that, Yes, it sounds like it's a problem. The thing that people who don't work in the industry are missing from this conversation and Monique is not sharing is, like I said before, the stars of films do press runs for free. And it's one of those rare occasions when exposure actually can get you paid. You get great press. You show up looking fabulous. You give interesting quotes. You're great and engaging. You make a ton of connections. You get a big bump in your social influence. Brands start looking at you. They want to pay you to wear their clothes. They want to put you in makeup ads. Like it's a, it's a whole machine. One of the reasons that people pick certain actors is because of their star power. They need somebody who's going to put butts in the seats, but they also need somebody who is media trained, press friendly, who's going to get up and work the red carpet and work the blogs and work the podcasts and work the morning shows, work the daytime talk shows, work the late night shows, talk to the journalists, maybe even the gossip bloggers too. Talk to the YouTubers, talk to who's ever got a platform to tell people the good word about this movie, be engaging, likable, and charming, and get those butts into the seats. It's part of the job. And when it works, everyone wins. Monique is refusing to do a standard part of the job. And she knew, that's the thing, Monique is not a newbie to this situation. She knew going in, the expectation was going to be, if this movie did well, and with Tyler Perry, Oprah Winfrey, and Lee Daniels, it was going to do something. She knew there was an expectation of a press run. If she didn't want to do it, the time to say that was up front. Because she knew it was expected of her. For whatever reason, she decides she doesn't want to do it. There's a reason that when Will Smith has a film coming out, short of the last one, because he was catching a lot of heat, but Will Smith be on every red carpet. The Rock, where you want me to go in the world? Every red carpet. Kevin Hart, every red carpet, every podcast, every morning TV, late night. Kevin Hart was over in South Africa when I was there promoting his shit. Kevin Hart will go where people can see him. And that's part of why he blew up so fast. That's part of the reason he's a megastar. Monique needed to go on the press tour. And she's talking about Tyler Perry telling people that she's difficult. Everybody could see that you weren't on the press tour. Everyone could see you weren't there because you weren't there. And everyone was asking, where's the star of this film? I mean, you got Gabby. Gabby was there. Gabby did the press run. Gab Gabby's done all right for herself. Monique, you're nominated for an Oscar and you don't want to do press? Tyler Perry is given a very specific scenario on the phone with Monique. He also goes on to say he heard a podcast that Monique and her manager did. He said it really hurt him and he felt terrible.
to learn that that's what Monique felt about him. And he said, I don't want to be the type of person that makes you feel that way. He's talking to her, trying to figure out how to rectify the situation. He said, you understand, like we went to the studios and tried to explain. And he was like, that didn't go over well. He's not in a good spot either. Monique is a star nominated for an Oscar and won't go do press. That's insane. And to leave that part out is not credible. We'll get to the D.L. Hughley thing in a sec. I got to go back and add some edits from my take last night based on a new video that Monique and the husband manager put up, basically admitting that they lied. They said we made a mistake. We didn't say the right thing. We didn't phrase it the right way. Monique said there was a cease and desist. There was no cease and desist. Husband is like, no, there wasn't, but we were going to take that next step. So you mad at D.L. Hughley for what exactly? We'll talk about that in a second. D.L. Hughley, I had trouble with her core beef with him. She said she went to tape D.L. Hughley's radio show and D.L. Hughley wasn't there. She said that she and the people he worked with, they had a great time. They were kikiing. They wanted to play some little game. I don't remember the name of it. It was one of those either or scenarios. She said D.L. Hughley's co-host asked her about her husband. Would he rather have sex with Lee Daniels with a condom or oral sex with Corinne Steffens, a.k.a. Superhead? Monique was offended at the question. I'm offended at the question. How you going to ask somebody that shit about their husband? Monique felt it was a lot. She said they asked her this question. She said she responded, how you going to ask me some foolishness like this? And how does this serve the community? Fair. She didn't go into detail. So the conversation got very heated. She said, I'm going to call my brother. By which she meant D.L. Hughley. She called D.L. Hughley to complain about what was going on. She said somebody at the station had already like gave him a heads up that she was upset. She said D.L. Hughley was very dry with her and didn't treat her concern with great concern. Her version is she sent a cease and desist. So that portion of the interview never ran. D.L. Hughley said, that's a lie. He said she was upset about it. So he just didn't publish it. If the cease and desist exists, produce it. Clear it up. We ain't got to go back and forth about who's telling the truth and who's not. If the cease and desist exists, somebody got it on file somewhere. Just go on and send it to TMZ or the shade room. I personally think it's a little insane. Monique and D.L. Hughley have this infamous falling out. We talked about it on here when it happened. Essentially, it was a contract dispute. Monique says in this interview, she was pissed at D.L. Hughley about this incident. He had been ducking and dodging her. She said, that's okay. I'm going to see you sometime. I'm going to see you again. I'm going to see you again. She and D.L. Hughley get booked to do this show together. This isn't even about like the headline issue. Monique says she waited till D.L. Hughley got there where she was supposed to be the headliner according to her contract. Okay, I think his contract said the same thing. So again, a promoter issue. But she says she launched into him because of the way that he treated her over this incident where she felt like his staff insulted her and her husband by asking her that question and the way D.L. Hughley was dismissive of it. And I was like, all this was over not even really about the headliner situation like she launched into D.L. Hughley and he responded and then Monique responded and talked about D.L. Hughley's daughter's sexual assault all of that stemmed from you feeling disrespected by D.L. Hughley for a question that was asked when he wasn't even present 
Really? Jumping back in while I'm doing the edits because I recorded this episode. And then by the time I finished recording, Monique and her husband manager had uploaded a new video. In this video, they say that they made a mistake. They make it sound very harmless. It was just, you know, an oopsie with words. There is no cease and desist. There is no cease and desist. So when D.L. Hughley was like, you're lying, that didn't happen. He's not lying. I told you, there's credibility issues here. Monique and husband manager do this really cute thing. They just make it sound like it's a very insignificant, you know, minorly incidental mishap of words. There was going to be a cease and desist, but there wasn't a cease and desist. Okay, so exactly what are you mad at D.L. Hughley about again? What exactly were you so mad at him about that you brought up his daughter's sexual abuse in a public argument? By Monique's own version of events, this shit doesn't make sense. You went on D.L. Hughley's show. D.L. Hughley wasn't there. He wasn't in the studio. He wasn't in the office. He wasn't in the building. Was the man even in the state? Was he on vacation? You went in the office and there was an inappropriate question asked by D.L. Hughley's co-host. You went by your own new version of events. You went to DL and you said, hey, I don't like what happened. You thought he was very dry with you. Y'all have a back and forth with no lawyers involved and he agrees not to air it. We didn't know anything about this situation until Monique tells it on Shannon Sharp. He didn't leak it. He said he wasn't going to air it. He didn't air it. And let me also be clear. I don't even like DL Hughley. He done told some stories about himself as a husband and a father that I'm like, bruh, like your moral code is fucked. I'm trying to figure out like what exactly was Monique so mad about that she brought up his daughter's sexual assault. In the Shannon Sharp interview, at least the 90 minutes that I saw, she doesn't talk about mentioning the sexual assault. She does in this follow-up video. But in the Shannon Sharp interview, when she's speaking about her husband, she says that the reason that she was so upset about the question she says, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically you don't fuck with people's families. Families are off limits. You don't bring families into the situation. Monique says, they asked me this question about my husband. They asked me this question about my family. That shit is offensive. D.O. Hughley's not the one that asked the question. You say that family is sacred. Family is out of bounds. You shouldn't talk about people's family. D.O. Hughley didn't talk about your family, but you're sitting on Shannon Sharp and you're establishing that you have this moral code and there's just lines that you don't cross, but yet you crossed. She does this follow-up interview. She goes live, her and husband. And she says, you know, just for clarity, because I, I see people talking. And she said, when I talked about D.L. Hughley's wife performing oral sex on him, I wasn't making a jab at her. I was making a jab at him. So it's not the same. Semantics. It's the same shit. She said when she brought up D.L. Hughley's child being sexually assaulted, she said this was a story that D.L. Hughley had put out there. This wasn't something that I'm spilling that, that people didn't know. D.L. Hughley told this story and then I reposted it. But I wasn't talking about the child. I was talking about him. Semantics and Delulu semantics at that. Ma'am, you talked about the man's wife and daughter. The wife thing, I don't like it. I talked about when Cat Williams talked about the weird face wives that never do interviews. I was like, hey, these people ain't involved. If by your own summation of them, they don't do interviews, so they're not putting themselves out there, I would say they're off limits. I don't like that Monique brought up D.O. Hughley's wife, but I really, 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 really don't like that you brought up not only his child, but the sexual assault of his child. And it's crazy to me that you would do that 
being a sexual assault survivor yourself. Like, there's something. I said I wasn't going to go there, and, and I'm not. But come on. Do, do people hear her? Does she hear herself? Another thing, too, because I've seen this rhetoric around the Internet. When D.L. Hughley first responded, because there's been two responses now. When D.L. Hughley first responded to Monique, he went the fuck in. And people were like, yo, you, you, you did too much. Like, you went too far. Like, you were way harsh, Todd. He referred to her weight. He said that she had to buy love from her husband. He said some other things about her that were, like, really, really nasty. And people were like, it's too much. It's too much. She weaponized his daughter's sexual assault in an argument. And not just a private argument, a public argument. So then everybody was talking about it. His wife and his oldest daughter, I think the youngest daughter is the one who was assaulted. His wife and his oldest daughter had to publicly address Monique. And then she gave a half-ass apology for it. His response to Monique, it was harsh. It was insane. And again, I don't even like D.L. Hughley. And in this instance, I'm like, I don't see how you compare him talking about her weight or her husband or any of the things, any of the harsh, terrible, like went for the jugular type shit that he said in his response after she talked about his daughter's sexual assault. Once you say something like that, it's no hose bar. Asking D.L. Hughley to like, I don't know, have some decorum. Bruh, people like he called her fat. It's not right to say. It's not. It's not. You, you know what else is not right to say? Shit about people's kids being sexually assaulted. How do I want to say this? I just don't know what Monique's end game is with any of this. Because she's literally been talking about Oprah and Tyler Perry for the last seven years. And on the show with Shannon, at least in the 90 minutes that I saw, she talks about these grievances. And then Shannon says, well, you know, what, what is it that you want? And she was like, I want you to run me my money. I want people to be accountable. I want people to acknowledge. She wants Tyler Perry to compensate her for the money that she says he took from her family's pocket by telling people that she was difficult and then people backed away from working with her. She's not filing a lawsuit. She's not having a sit down with Tyler Perry because he doesn't want to address it. It seems to me that she's attempting to publicly shame him out of this money. It's not going to happen. If you want to sue the man for, for defamation, for intentional infliction of distress that caused you financial hardship, that's a whole thing. But like just the idea that you're just going to keep talking about it for years about how he's done you wrong, but literally do nothing about it but talk. I just, I don't know how this ends for her. You felt wrong by Oprah. And if Monique's version is to be believed, I don't like how Oprah handled that situation. But you've publicly dragged her for years. You got on the stage talking about Oprah Winfrey can suck my dick. And after that, you're expecting her to publicly apologize to you? It's not going to happen. It's just not. She's not ever getting an apology or an acknowledgement of wrongdoing from D.L. Hughley. You burn the bridge. Monique seems very stuck in this place 
of pain, of hurt, and wanting to be acknowledged by the people who caused the pain and hurt. She wants the closure. She wants the acknowledgement. She wants, she wants the, what's the word? The vindication, essentially, of a terrible thing happened to me. And then all the suffering that I've dealt with, you validated. A lot of people get stuck there. This is not just the Monique thing. But I feel like it's doing her more harm than good. Because I ask, what is she gaining from this? She keeps talking about Oprah. She keeps talking about Tyler Perry. She's talking about D.L. Hughley again. She has a long list of grievances that she keeps talking about. And she keeps talking about accountability, accountability, accountability. It's clear to me that she wants to be a spokesperson for injustice. But also, I think she wants to work in the business. And it's a little Kaepernick in this way. And that the same people that you call out are the same people that you want to be embraced by. Jay-Z can get away with that shit. He's amassed enough money. He's amassed enough power that his speech at the Grammys will have absolutely zero impact on him. The world keeps spinning. The money keeps coming. And if it didn't, his great-grandchildren would still be rich. That's not Monique's circumstance. She wants the work. She wants the money. She wants the inclusion. She wants the acknowledgement. But she's continuously going off on the people who can provide it. I will never try to silence a black woman. Speak your piece. Talk your shit. Whole nine yards. But you also got to acknowledge the consequences that come with it. It seems to me that Monique wants to talk her shit and pop off. But she's not willing to deal with the consequences. You know how they talk about people in relationships? When you argue with your spouse, they say, are you trying to be right or are you trying to find a solution? Are you trying to be right or are you trying to heal? Are you trying to be right or are you trying to find peace? Which I say to Monique, are you trying to be right or are you trying to get paid? Because it's really clear to me after seven years of her having the same conversation that you can't be both. And you want to be both. But you got to choose, sis. Let me also add this. I'm biting my tongue so hard right now. Monique wants people in the industry to help her. Just even in this interview, she kept trying to recruit Shannon Sharp to say things that she wouldn't. Actually, she tried to say some of them. She's tried to say some of them and got no response. So she's trying to enlist Shannon Sharp to, to take up her cause. And she was like, you know, say, say it to like you're saying it to me. Say it to Tyler Perry. You're saying it to me. Say it to Oprah. You listen to the audio recording of Tyler Perry. Tell the people what it said. I'm really proud of Shannon Sharp for sidestepping it. This is not a mess that he needs to be in the middle of. Not where he's trying to take this podcast. Not on his current trajectory. Just, just sit there and ask the questions, bruh. Monique does this interview and she talks about Kevin Hart. She says, she was like, I was in a financial bind. Kevin Hart, she considers him like family. She said Kevin came through with some money when she and her family really needed it. And she said, and they paid him back. She lost her talk show. She was trying to get it back. She says, Kevin told her, sure, sure, sure. I'll help you. Tell me what you need. And then Kevin didn't come through. If we believe Monique's version of events, Kevin Hart absolutely should have told her if he had a change of heart about working with her. Kevin Hart just should have called her and was like, hey, Mo, on second thought, that's not what I want to do. He should have been up front with her. I think that it is incredibly distasteful 
to sit on Shannon Sharp's couch. Damn it, here we go. No, this needs to be said. This man bailed you out financially when you were struggling to pay your bills. You and your husband, because your husband's full-time job is your manager. So if nothing's coming in, he's getting 0% of nothing. You're floating that household. Your version, he bailed you out financially when you couldn't pay your bills. And then you just sat down on Shannon Sharp's couch and dragged him. He's definitely never helping you again. But nobody else who has the ends, the dividends, who can cut the check is ever going to do it either. Because they see how you treat people who look out for you. You asked Stephanie Mills to get involved. That should have stayed behind the scenes. The episode got posted on YouTube yesterday. It had 4 million views as of today. That's a huge audience. Bringing Stephanie Mills into this drama, unnecessary. You said Al Sharpton said he was going to try to help. You said Al Sharpton said this is wrong. This can't stand. Then you said Al Sharpton started palling around with Tyler Perry and never got back to you. This like the same way that people asked you that crazy shit about your husband. And your response was, how does this serve the black community? How does you sitting here talking about Kevin Hart after he paid your bills or talking about Al Sharpton? Al Sharpton? Kevin Hart? Stephanie Mills? You weren't saying Stephanie did you wrong. You were saying Stephanie got involved. But, but my love, but one sweet baby to another. You're asking people to set themselves on fire and take up your beefs and align themselves and their careers with what is perceived. I want to be clear about saying that. Perceived as, as Monique's toxicity. I'm not saying Monique is toxic. I'm saying she's perceived, at least in Hollywood, as toxic. Folks don't want to deal with her. Folks don't want to work with her. Are there reasons valid? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But she's perceived as radioactive and she wants people to as like this proof of friendship, proof of loyalty to get involved in the drama and the mess. People have watched Monique do this for years and they see where it's gotten her. They don't want to go to that place with her. Also, it's the last thing I'm going to say. The very beginning of this interview I can't remember the question Shannon Sharp asked her. I put it in my phone, but I'm also recording on my phone. And I have my microphone with me too. I just don't feel like sitting up right now. It's like the middle of the night. I can't remember the question that sparked it, but Monique was explaining her mindset of being what she calls a truth teller and being about the community. And she talks about this situation when she was in 11th grade. And she said a woman that she knew had a baby. And she told one guy that he was the father. And then privately, she shared with Monique that someone else was the father. And Monique said she told the woman, what you're doing is wrong and I'm going to tell the truth. And she said the problem with black people is that folks want to stay quiet about wrongdoing. Folks want to stay quiet about trifling shit. Folks don't want to tell people who their real dad is and what their real circumstances are. And Monique was like, I felt compelled to speak up and say something. She said, most people would say that's not my place, but it's absolutely my place because I was aware of wrongdoing and I need to say something. One of the reasons that I disagree with Monique is because I fundamentally just do not see the world that way. You tell me what you're doing is causing somebody 
physical harm, you're beating on somebody, I'm telling. You're telling me that what you're doing involves a child. I will run to the child's parents. And if the parents are the ones doing wrongdoing, I will run to the police. But just like the day-to-day shit, I consider that giving a fuck when it's not your turn. I think I actually wrote in my notes when she was describing this, I was like, this is some agent of chaos shit. Like you're jumping in the middle of shit that is not your shit to jump in. And then you wonder why everyone's mad at you. Again, you're right. You're telling the truth. You're honest. But like I said before, do you want to be right or do you want peace? Monique is one of those people that wants to be right. But I ask again, where is it getting you? And what are you actually doing about it other than complaining? You're saying that Tyler Perry has cost you $25 million? Sue his ass. Don't just get on platforms and constantly complain about it. Constantly complaining is just that, constantly complaining. It's not moving the needle. It's not getting anything done. She seems very stuck in this victim space. And I'm like, sis, I want you to move out of it. And I will give her this for the interview. For the vast majority of it, unless she was like kiki with Shannon, she spoke in a very calm, HR kind of voice. She heard people's response to the amount that she cussed during her, her Netflix stand-up. She's clearly heard that criticism and has incorporated it and is using a new approach and how she talks about things. It makes it a lot more palatable to hear. I hate the idea of being tone policed. You're angry. You should be able to be angry. But Monique seems to want to recruit people to believe in her side of the story. She seems to be wanting to go the shame route in order to make people be accountable or to get an apology. So the rhetoric, essentially, because tone is a part of rhetoric, but the rhetoric that she uses to speak to people, her presentation makes a big difference and people willing to receive her point of view and joining in her mission to shame Tyler Perry, Oprah Winfrey, the company that isn't paying her, D.L. Hughley, I suppose. All these things matter. She's definitely incorporated some new techniques. But just for like her own sake, I need her to figure out, do you want to be right? Do you want to work? And I don't mean like a here and there project. I mean, to be able to work at the level of talent and being seen at the level that you deserve based on your talent. I want her not to be in pain. And it's just so very clear to me, despite the HR voice, despite the lack of cursing, that she is. And it's just not a healthy way to exist. I'm not saying let it go. I received what she said in the episode when when her and Shannon Sharp had a little back and forth. And she was like, you know, people will tell you to stop, but it didn't happen to you. Everybody who took the time to watch the Monique interview is grown folks of a certain age. We've all experienced hurt and betrayal in some capacity. But getting stuck in that, it's not healthy. I want her to be unstuck from this loop of this constant complaining with no real action to resolve the issue. She's waiting on other people to give her her healing. And that's just unstable, unlikely thing to happen. And if she's waiting on that, 
she's going to be stuck on this hamster wheel for another minimum seven years. This is no way to live, sis. I want better for her. She's a very talented actress. I think also she's a very funny person. I think her last Netflix special is not representative of the best of her work. But I also think like she's trapped in this space and it's affecting her career for sure. But also like the ability to tap into her best talents. I said enough. I'm probably going to get cursed out real bad for this episode. Unfortunately, it won't be the first time or the last, I'm sure. But that's another story for another day. All right. That's the episode. We'll talk next week. I'll still be in Morocco. I should be in the middle of the desert by then. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.